think I can speak on behalf of all the staff and say thank you for the Christmas gifts. Uh, at this point in December, I assumed we had just gotten Jelly of the Month clubbed. So thank you. In all seriousness, good evening, Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here. I'm going to start reading in Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, Stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many. And makes intercession for the transgressors. The passage that we just read has been called the heart of the book of Isaiah. But Isaiah 52 and 53 is far from this book's only prophecy about the Messiah. Over the past three Sundays, we've read Isaiah 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We read Isaiah 9. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we read Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. However, those three prophecies seem more directly connected to Christmas. Isaiah 52 and 53 is usually associated with Easter. So what does the suffering servant of this passage have to do with Christmas? Well, everything. In Matthew 1.21, the angel Gabriel tells the bewildered Joseph that the child in Mary's womb will save his people from their sins. Now that's good news, isn't it? Dating all the way back to the Garden of Eden, humanity had failed to live up to our purpose, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Why? Sin. But how exactly would Jesus save his people from their sins? What comes next for this miraculous baby boy? Isaiah 52. Isaiah 53. In Luke 2, 34 and 35, an old man named Simeon, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, faithfully waiting for God to save his people, sees the infant Jesus in the temple and proclaims, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. But as overjoyed as Simeon may have been as he looked at that baby, he also warned Mary that Jesus will not bring salvation without suffering. Simeon tells Mary that a sword will pierce her soul. What is Simeon referring to? Isaiah 52 and 53. Look again at all the ways that Jesus fulfills that passage. At first, Jesus is exalted. Isaiah 52, 13. His birth is heralded by angels. Wise men travel across the world to worship him. But he's also born in humble circumstances. Isaiah 53, 2. The divine king and judge of all creation spends his first night in a manger. Lowly shepherds are the first to honor him. On top of that, he perplexes kings. Isaiah 52, 15. Jesus' arrival drives King Herod mad. Later in Jesus' life, Pilate simply doesn't know what to do with this man. Jesus is rejected, despised, and dishonored by his own people. Isaiah 53, 3. He spends the first few years of his life on the run in Egypt. When he begins his ministry as an adult, his fellow Jews dismiss him as 
the carpenter's son. And ultimately, Jesus becomes the suffering servant on the cross. Isaiah 53, 4 through 10. He is abused, mocked, killed, and buried. Why? To fulfill his purpose from before he was even born. To save his people from their sins by taking their sins in their place. But in the end, Jesus is exalted. Isaiah 53, 11 and 12. It turns out that all of this, from beginning to end, was the will of the Lord. And for his obedience to his Father's will, Jesus is rewarded. Preacher Charles Spurgeon once said of Isaiah 52 and 53, How clearly you have before you here our blessed Redeemer, and how strong are the expressions used by Isaiah to set forth his substitution. If he did intend to teach us the doctrine that Christ suffered in the place of his people, he could not have used more expressive words. And if he did not intend to teach us that truth, it is marvelous that he should have adopted phrases so likely to mislead. In other words, Isaiah 52 and 53 And for that matter, Isaiah 7, 9, and 11, they're all about Jesus. But the question remains, why are we talking about Isaiah 52 and 53 at Christmas when it seems more fitting for Easter? Well, look at it this way. If all George Washington had done was be born, would we celebrate President's Day? If all Martin Luther King Jr. had done was be born, would we celebrate MLK Day? Of course not. It's what these men did later in life that made their birthdays worthy of remembrance. In the same way, if all we had was Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, If all we had was Joseph and Mary, angels and stars, shepherds and wise men. If all we had was the virgin birth and the repurposed manger. If all we had were flowery but unfulfilled promises from Isaiah 7, 9, and 11. If all we had were a nice idea of Jesus saving his people from their sins without the cross where he actually did it, then Christmas would not be what it is. Jesus' work of bearing our griefs and carrying our sorrows starts in the little town of Bethlehem when the Son of God begins a fully human life in a fully fallen world. But without Isaiah 52 and 53, without the rest of Jesus' life, without Jesus' death, without Jesus' resurrection, December 24th and 25th would be just two more cold, dark winter days. Jesus didn't come just to be born. He came to save his people from their sins. 
So this Christmas, don't just remember the clean, tidy, and precious baby Jesus. Gaze upon the rejected, bloody, suffering servant Jesus. Don't just think about his birth. Think about his death. Consider those soft, cute, chubby hands and feet that would one day be pierced with nails, while a sword pierces his mother's soul as she watches her son die for sins that he did not commit, but you and I did. And remember the gift that you have been given, the one you didn't know you needed, but now that you have it, you would never trade it. Salvation, forgiveness, joy, Peace, reconciliation, justification, adoption. And if that gift is not yet yours, know that this baby we celebrate came to save all who would believe in him. Jew and Gentile, young and old, rich and poor. The truth is that if you do not believe in the suffering servant, of Isaiah 52 and 53, then the Emmanuel of Isaiah 7, the coming king of Isaiah 9, the righteous judge of Isaiah 11, and the baby born at Christmas some 2,000 years ago will be of no benefit to you. Trust him, love him, serve him, thank him, worship him, and follow him. Come, let us adore him, not just because he was born, but because he lived and because he died and because he rose again and because he ascended and because he will return. One of the ways that we make a point to remember not just Jesus's birth, but Jesus's death on Christmas Eve is to celebrate communion every year. So here in just a few moments, we have communion sitting on the black tables up front. Bread and juice are all contained in the one same cup. In just a moment, feel free to get up, come to the table, grab bread and grab juice, eat and drink, and celebrate communion with us. And we do want to emphasize that while we ask that you be a follower of Christ to take communion here tonight, You do not have to be a member of this church or a regular attender of this church. All Christians are welcome to take communion here this evening. And after you take your communion, grab a candle, circle around the room, and we will end our service with our singing of Silent Night the way we like to do here at Prairie View. But with that, I'll pray. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you for the baby that we celebrate at Christmas. Thank you for all the stories that we read, that no matter how many times we read them, no matter how well we know them, don't lose their power. Because they're just so far-fetched. And that's part of what makes them amazing. That's part of what makes them worth remembering and worth reading and worth hearing and worth preaching year after year after year. Thank you for all the ways that you were at work 
to bring about our Savior in this world. Thank you that Christ became like us to save us. And that Christ also remained unlike us to save us. Lord, thank you that you are fully man and you are fully God. That you lived as we live, but you did not sin as we sin. Thank you, Lord, for being our Emmanuel, for being our coming king, for being our righteous judge, for being our suffering servant. Again, thank you for this night, this time, this place, these people. Thank you for Christmas. We love you, Lord. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.